Okay. I hope you can hear me well. It looks like you can. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do a backup just in case. Super awkward funcast. You're listening to the super awkward funcast live. I just made that. Okay. So you know how we used to do on the YouTubes and whatnot. We play a song to start the show. Let's do that this time. This is one of my favorite songs. And I listened to it recently again. It's from the 90s. Enjoy. to listen to the rest yourself another time um thank you for joining me probably not live but in the after of it the next posting that i do so let's get to it i mean august was crazy it's hot as fuck right now which is funny because well not funny um We had a hurricane season in L.A., if you didn't hear about it. It wasn't much of one, but especially not for me, but it did happen. It was called Hillary, but it wasn't spelled with two L's, so I couldn't really make any jokes, which was unfortunate. You know how I love to make jokes. Um, I was trying to, like, think of, like, how do I make everything funny that's sad and horrible and depressing? (laughs) I don't know. You just wait a little while, and then it's just kind of like the anger fades, I guess. Like the COVID thing, like the COVID-1984 shit that's still happening. We'll get to that as well. Um, I might do, if they keep up this bullshit with the vaccines sales, or sorry, the gene therapy drug sales that they're doing, the U.S. government. Um, If they keep that shit up, then I'm going to have to go ahead and make a new episode mid-month next month in September. So you'll have like two episodes, but one on YouTube and one the normal way, which won't be this way. But this is the, the reason I did this is because my mic situation. Yeah. So not just my mic situation. No, my, I have a mic situation. I'm using a different mic. It's not the best. That's why I have backup audio in case I have to replace it. Um, So you're either hearing this through my lavalier 
or you're hearing it through my phone. <laughs> Either way, whatever. But I do a series that I've told you about, the Super Awkward Fun Review of the X-Files. And I'm on season season five. Uh, that is posted. Uh, season five, part one. And season, season five, part two will be posted in a couple weeks. So I've done that because the views are not where I want them to be for... There's no demand, basically. Like, if there was more demand, if more people were watching, then I would be able to post more often. But if that's not the case, I'm not going to bother, you know? So, basically, what I'm getting at is I didn't want to do the editing of this show and then have to put it up tomorrow and have to work so hard. And then I also have, like, a long hour, long hours tomorrow I have to work. Yes, at home, but whatever. I'm just saying I'm not going to be at my computer being able to do that for most of the day tomorrow. So I'm not going to be able to get pretty much anything done. So basically today I'm posting this as is live, no editing. And then tomorrow I will post it, post it like probably not tomorrow, probably tonight. I don't know. But anyway. It will be posted by November, by September 1st, um, 9-1. <laughs> and then I'm going to audio, I'm going to edit my audio for the next uh, episode of my review series. So basically, yes, that's what's happening. Just a little housekeeping or whatever um, before we get into it. And this isn't going to be a really long episode because it's hot as hell. I mean, it's not as hot as it was before. It's not 90 degrees. It could be worse. I'm just sweating. I'm very uncomfortable. I don't like sweating, but I'll pretend I'm in a sauna for you guys. Um, basically, yeah. So we had a hurricane. It went away. Like there's not much that happened. Just a little flooding, nothing crazy. A lot of rain. Didn't really do much for the weather. Weather still was hot as fuck the last week, week, weekend, the last weekend, this weekend has sucked. So I was really worried about today being really hot. It's not that hot, but it does feel hot. So it's unfortunate. It's not comfortable. But a lot of things are not comfortable. So let's just go with it. Yes. Um, August sucked. I hate August. It's one of my least favorite months. There's not much to say about it. You don't even have TV usually in August. So like back when I was a kid or whatever, I'd have to wait until September late September, early October for the shows to come back on. So it's like August sucked. Summer sucks. I hate summer. I don't care what anyone says. Summer sucks. Winter's not much better, but it's a little better. But it's not as good when you're in it. So when you're in that shit, you feel it and it sucks. So it sucks when you're in it, but then when you leave it, it's not as bad. But then that's the thing about yin and yang, which I like to say is like, without the good and the bad, you wouldn't know what was good or bad. You have to have the balance, right? And I try to balance things out as much as I can and not be all like doom and gloom or whatever. But this COVID-1984 shit has to end. The mask mandates coming back. Yeah, I already went to that sequel. It was boring. It was awful. It had no premise. <laughs> I would like to not go back to it. Let's not do a trilogy, please. Um, so there, that that's where that's at. And so basically we're doing an episode devoted 
mainly to the SAG strike. So if you don't really care about the SAG strike, you should, because I do, and it's AI related. So everything is kind of related to this shit that's going on in the world, in the dystopia that we live in. But if we want to get into the brass tacks, down to brass tacks, SAGAfterStrike.org, why we strike, is why they're technically striking. And I say they as if I'm not one of them. I did, I did pay my dues again after we were able to be on set without a test or masks or vaccines again. I waited until that was over until I could pay again. I already struck. I told, my, I told someone this. <laughs> I'm not going to dox them. I told somebody this the other day as like a preview that I um, was going to talk about this on the show that I already have my strike in whatever month it was of whatever year it was. But after the COVID-1984 shit came out, the scamdemic and everything, and they were like doing all this horrible stuff on set and making us get the vaccine and all this stuff just to act and shit. And I was like, no, that's bullshit. And it just made me feel even shittier and slash better about my decision, my personal decision to forego money, which was the whole, that's what happens when you don't do something, when you don't go to work, when you don't do the job that you used to do, you lose money. I lost a lot of chances at money, easy money, because I was an extra, so, or background actor. That's a fancier term. Um, but I was able to work and I was not able to work because of the situation, the situation. But Fran Drescher came out publicly and said that she would have struck then. She wanted to strike after the mandates, but she was outvoted. I guess I should get that. I don't want to have too much to put on there. Eh. That's fine. We'll deal with that later. I'm going to make an email with all of the, these links and I'm going to send it to myself and then I'll put it in the show notes as, as usual. So if I'm doing that, it's going to be out of order, whatever. I don't even care about order anymore. Nobody watches my shit or listens to my shit. I mean, they do. Some people listen to my shit. Most people do not. <sighs> which is fine, you know, to each their own. And I'm sure there's something to do with me about that. I don't know what it is exactly because nobody gives me feedback because they don't listen to my shit. So here I am talking to myself live. But, you know, it's for a reason because of the sex. Like, it's an easy subject and everything, and I'm not going to be like, I'm not likely to get thrown off here and take my, my audio away or something. And if they do, too, tough shit because I already have it. So, anywho, um, Fran Drescher, let's look up Fran Drescher, dear me, strike mandates, so you know I'm not BSing. I got the details, I got the receipts, as the kids say, Ew. okay, the Mary Sue, no, let's do deadline, which is what we're kind of going with for this. There's going to be a lot of deadline articles in here. Just, you know, deal with it. SAG after President Dran, Dran, <laughs> Dran Pressure, <laughs> Dran Pressure, 
We'll just go with that. Duran Fresher says she was willing to strike in 2021 over COVID vax mandates. This is dated July 8th, 2023, so it's pretty old. David Roth. I mean, you can listen to the article. Thanks, AI. Anyways. Exclusive. As SAG-AFTRA prepares for a possible strike next week, it happened. This is pretty much starting from the beginning, so this is perfect. Fran Drescher, the Guild's president, said in a recent email chain that she was willing to go on strike in 2021 over Hollywood's COVID vaccination mandates. Drescher, who had been the leading voice among union leaders against the mandates, barely, but okay, on Thursday told critics who accused her of not doing enough to end them that if it were up to me, I would have struck... I'm trying to do her voice. If it were up to me, I would have asked to strike over it, but a union cannot strike with a handful of members when repeatedly, even today with all the controversy, the majority is seen as seen in the LA local meeting overwhelmingly disagree with you or have changed their thinking on this issue. The mandates were approved by the studios, guilds, and unions as part of the industry's COVID return to work practices. Protocols, protocols, I forgot how to say things, protocols, and allowed employers to require vaccinations as a condition of employment. First implemented in June 2021, the mandates ended along with all the other protocols on May 12th of this year. Last December, writing in the SAG-AFTRA magazine, she said that, I continue to fight on behalf of our members who feel discriminated against because of the COVID unvaccinated or unboosted status, which is how, which is keeping them from working in major studio productions. For those members not being fairly considered by studios with regards to their religious or health exemptions, help is on the way. Her critics on the email chain, which was seen by deadline, include Maya Dunbar, who is running against her for president, Peter Antico, who is running against incumbent Jolie Fisher for secretary treasurer and actor Chuck Slavin. Slavin, sorry. Friday was the last day for candidates to file petitions to run for president and secretary treasurer. So it's very political, really, you know. News that Treasurer was willing to strike over the mandates is a new twist and comes as many of her members are urging the guild to strike if it can't reach a deal in ongoing contract talks with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers that gets all the way there. Quote, SAG-AFTRA's contract with the AMPTP has had been set to expire June 30th, but was extended until July 12th to allow bargaining to continue. The nanny star wrote that she had called more special single item board members board meetings over the issue of COVID mandates and spent at least half of my collective time arguing with staff and the board over the controversial topic. You can ask any board member how much I did to represent the unvaccinated community, much to the majority's chagrin, to sway them but to no avail at the national board. Everyone knows my position was do not support vaccine mandates, but I was completely outnumbered and ultimately must represent the board vote, not my own. So you are misinformed about my not doing anything. Dunbar, who accused SAG-AFTRA National 
Executive Director Duncan Crabtree Ireland of manipulating the National Board over the mandates told Drescher that you keep saying majority regarding the mandates. It's disingenuous at best and diabolical at its worst. And there, and refer, referring to Drescher's cancer schmancer charitable efforts, Dunbar wrote of the vaccinations that the fact you push this cancer thing and yet still defend this now known cancer inducing, immunity destroying, negative efficacy creating, non-effective, unsafe injection, but don't even acknowledge it's being linked to turbo cancers is beyond the pale. Antico, who ran unsuccessfully for president of the guild in 2017, who was once, who was one of the most moving forces behind a recently settled lawsuit against the Sagatra Health Health Plan for changes to eligibility that allegedly discriminated against older members, also questioned Drescher's commitment to the rights of the unvaccinated. Why didn't you call emergency meetings when public policy changed and the CDC said there was no difference in protocols between people who did and did not participate in the experimental drug trial as a condition of employment? Why didn't you call an emergency meeting when medical and religious exemptions were not being honored, which is a direct violation of the return to work agreement, he says in the email. Tresher, who is running for re-election with the support of both of the guild's major factions, Unite for Strength and Membership First, also took issue with her critics' claim that she told Good Morning America that she is running uncontested. And then we get into all this, you know, stuff with the election that I could not care about because I'm I'm not even allowed to vote because I'm not in good standing because I haven't paid them all my dues that I owe them because of my strike. (laughs) Which, by the way, I think it's fucking bullshit that you know, on the page, why we strike or whatever, like, not why we strike, but like sagafterstrike.org or whatever. Like, you're not like getting rid of dues during the strike. We shouldn't have to pay dues at all. I haven't had any announcements in my emails, my constant flow of emails from SAGAFTRA saying that they're foregoing dues. I went to the dues portal, the membership portal, or the billing portal, and they're taking money still. So how are we going to give you money if we ain't working, bitch? I'm just saying. You know, it's not very fair to the members, most of which are not billionaires who are out there on the front lines and getting all of the attention, by the way, which we'll get into. Okay, so why we strike? Why is this happening and why now? Oh, because they didn't do it before because they didn't have the balls and they wanted to wait until after the COVID mandates when we went back to work to take us out of work again. That's my opinion. (laughs) These are just opinions. TV theatrical stream strike. So they put that in in there because it's just that section. It's not, no animators are striking or anything like that. No radio or whatever. So just to be clear, that's the, the people who are striking are in that category. We're fighting the survival of our profession. Because this shit came to us and now we care about it. We didn't care about streaming happening back in the day. We put all our actors into these shows and producers on these shows. And just, you know, changed the landscape of cinema and television. And now we're reaping the rewards of that. And sadly, some of the not-so-fun things that we have to deal with as actors. 
And it says here, here's the simple truth. We're up against a system. They're, they're against the system, guys. They hate the system when it pleases them. When it affects them financially, it's, they're against the system. Anyway, we're up against a system where those in charge of multi-billion dollar media conglomerates are rewarded for exploiting workers, which has been happening for all this time, but we just didn't notice it until now. The company is represented by the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, AMTP, AMPTP, which include Amazon, MGM, because everything's owned by the same fucking company, Apple, Disney, ABC, Fox, NBC, Universal, Netflix, Paramount, CBS, Sony, Warner Bros. Or Warner Brothers, sorry. Discovery or HBO and others are committed to prioritizing shareholders and Wall Street. Hmm. Detail below are some of the key issues of the negotiation and where things stand. We moved on some things, but from day one, they wouldn't meaningfully engage on the most critical issues. All right, these are the gripes. Performers need minimum earnings to simply keep up with the inf with inflation. Well, duh. SAG-AFTRA, we need an 11% general wage increase in year one so our members can recover from record inflation during the previous contract term. AMT AMPTP, the most we will give you is 5%, even though that means your 2023 earnings will effectively be a significant pay cut due to inflation, and it is likely you will still be working for less than your 2020 wages in 2026. Performers need the protection of our images and performances to prevent replacement of human performances by artificial intelligence technology. This is the main crux. This is the main issue that we're focusing on tonight. Here's a comprehensive set of provisions to grant, grant informed consent. Oh, now we care about informed consent. <laughs> That's fun. And fair compensation when a digital replica is made of our performance or our performance is changed using AI, sag after. AMPTP said, we want to be able to scan a background performer's image, pay them for a half a day's labor, and then use an individual's likeness for any purposes forever without their consent. We also want to be able to make changes to principal performer's dialogue and even create new scenes without informed consent and we want to be able to use someone's images likenesses and performances to train new generative ai systems without consent or compensation so it's basically that episode of black mirror that happened the first one uh joan joan is awful that's basically the way it's going which is not a surprise that that was on netflix <laughs> i'm sure that wasn't predicted programming at all um Performers need qualified hair and makeup professionals as well as equipment to safely and effectively style a variety of hair textures, styles, and skin tones. Yes, this is so important that it has to be why we strike. SAG-AFTRA, how about consultations with qualified hair and makeup professionals for all, all performers on set to ensure equity for performers of color? Oh, I love the color people thing. We're still saying color people, but not saying it and a requirement to have the proper tools and equipment. 
AMPTP responds, begrudgingly, we will do this for principal performers, but background actors are on their own. So they care about the little man. SAG-AFTRA cares about background performers. This is all about them, and apparently just a certain section of them. Uh, performers need compensation to reflect the value we bring to the streamers who profit from our labor. SAG-AFTRA, consider this comprehensive plan for actors to participate in streaming revenue since the current business model has eroded our residuals income. You'll hear a lot about residuals. That's a lot of the crux of the main, like it's residuals and AI is basically what this boils down to, just so you know. And then AMPTP says no. <laughs> All performers need support from our employers to keep our health and retirement funds sustainable. SAG-AFTRA says contribution caps haven't been raised in 40 years, imperiling our pension and health plans. Would you consider raising the caps to adjust for inflation and ensure that all performers, regardless of age or location, receive equal contributions? AMPTP says, here are some nominal increases nowhere near the level of inflation that won't adequately fund your health plan. Also, background child performers under 14 years of age living in the West Coast zone don't deserve pension contributions, which is why we haven't paid them since 1992. I mean, I just want like, I don't think any, does anybody get pension when they're 14? I, okay, whatever. Anyway, principal performers need to be able to work during hiatus and not be held captive by employers. SAG-AFTRA, these timelines we proposed help series regulars by limiting the increasingly long breaks between seasons and giving them some certainty as to when they'll start work again or will be released. AMPTP, take these select few improvements that will only help a select few. Well, that's really vague. <laughs> okay. And I'm pretty sure it's on purpose and there's more to it, but we don't get to see that side of it here. Principal performers need to be reimbursed for relocation expenses when they're employed away from home. SAG-AFTRA, drop the ruse that series regulars are becoming residents of a new state or country when they go on vacation and adequately pay them for all of their relocation costs. AMPTP, here's some stipends which don't realistically reflect the cost of reloca relocating to an out-of-state or out-of-country production. Then there's more here. They say, we marched ahead because they intentionally dragged their feet after we agreed to their compressed bargaining schedule the AMPTP subjected us to repeated stonewalling and delays. It took more than four weeks of bargaining for the AMPTP to agree to simple basic issues of fairness and respect, such as access to pre reproductive health care and gender-affirming care for performers working away from home in states that restrict medical access. Just take that in. Gender-affirming care. A consultation process to guard against racist and sexist wiggings and paint-downs of stunt performers. I don't even know what that is, but all right. Safety for performers working with animals on set. I am of the mind at this point in time with all of the issues that have arisen with animals and children to that ex extent. 
stop working with them on camera. <laughs> Just, I don't care if it's a doll and it's pretending to be a dog. I don't give a shit. Or it's your dog. If it's your dog, fine. But why put... It's fine. But I'm just saying, like, I can live without that. I can use my imagination. I would like to use my imagination more. I'll imagine a child there. I'll imagine a dog there. I don't care. As long as they're safe, I don't give a shit. I'll imagine a fire's there. When I see CGI fire, I don't gripe about it. I'm like, good. They didn't blow shit up. I don't think it was good that we blew shit up for so long in movies. Unless it was for a reason, like it was going to be blown up anyway or whatever. It's not good for the environment. How about this? Here's new newsflash for the climatologists in cinema. Cinema destroys the environment in many ways. You're not helping the situation. You're not helping the world by making your little movies. Your big ass movies, your big blockbuster films with bombs and shit. That's not helping. Now that's where AI could come in and be like helpful in a decent universe, but we don't live in a decent universe and it's going to be misused all over the place and already is. So let's move on. Is this enough? We need transformative contracts yet remain far apart on the most critical issues that affect the very survival of our profession. Specifically, we need fair compensation that accounts for inflation, just like everyone else, I guess. Revenue sharing on top of residuals, protection from AI technology, and updates to our pension and health contribution caps, which haven't been changed in decades. Which is why we are on strike. The AMPTP thinks we will relent, but the will of our membership has never been stronger. We have the resolve and unity needed to defend our rights. Read more about our status, blah, 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 etc. and so on. And then they have, like, all the status updates here. Where they're at in the negotiation. So, yeah, I leave that for you to read in your spare time. But that's really what happened. Okay, then we got another, like, I don't know if I want to even do this article. Because we went to the source. And... They have a paywall, so I'm not going there. Um, Here's some news. New news. This one is about UK. So August 24, 2023, Max Goldbart from Deadline. This reads, Petition calls on UK government to forge income replacement scheme for crew who have lost work due to strikes. Hmm. A petition calling on the UK government to financially support TV and film crew unable to work due to the strikes has amassed nearly 25,000 signatures. And that's not, you know, going to lead to some issues at all. The petition urges the creation of an income replacement scheme. They love their basic income schemes, which would provide support to those on struck projects who have lost work. If the petition reaches 100,000 signatures, UK law requires that it be considered for a debate in Parliament. We want the government. Yeah, the government should step in and help us out, right? Because they always do such a great job, especially in the UK. There were no issues in the UK recently that I can think of, you know? It's all good. We want the government to do more to support UK TV and film crew who are unable to work due to the strikes by actors and writers 
says the petition, which was created by Laura Evans, smart girl. The UK freelance crew who worked works on these who work on these projects need financial support and reassurance from the government that they will not abandon the crew during this crisis. The majority of UK projects are contracted under the UK Union Equity and have been able to push on, but some, including the likes of Apple TV's Silo and Rami Malek's starring movie Amateur, have had to pause. No BBC projects have been impacted, according to the corporation's drama director, Lindsay Salt, who nonetheless acknowledged the ripple effect on the global market at today's Edinburgh TV Festival. British Equity and the Writers Guild of Great Britain have thrown their weight behind the U.S. Union's plight over the past months, and equity boss Paul Fleming said earlier this month, this month, this week, his union will not tolerate jobs being offered to U.K. talent if they have previously been turned down by U.S. actors. On the same call, SAG chief negotiator Duncan Crabtree, Ireland, acknowledged the significant economic consequences around the world created by the strikes. The strikes have coincided with a downturn in commissioning opportunities due to the economic crisis, and both topics dominated chatter at Edinburgh, with Universal's Parlina Ibokwe saying earlier today there is determination from all sides to find an equitable solution, although a deal for both the WGA and SAG feels far from close. So there's that. Oh my gosh. So uh, okay. <sighs> the show must go on. But um there's also stuff happening. So while this is all happening, we have a an interim contract. So we have we have the SAG after interim contract. And God damn, it's so hot. Okay, Whew, I'm trying to calm down. What it mean? Okay, let's see where that is. I thought I had that in here. Okay, I don't have that, like, the base basic information on that, so we'll just go with this. So this will tell you exactly, like, how difficult that process is. This is from August, August 24th again. Jill Goldsmith, same, same uh, magazine deadline. Sorry website now. Uh, indie film producers frustrated by SAG-AFTRA's interim agreement process nearly, nearly, fear early stage projects will vanish if they can't lock casts. So this is going to negatively affect the indie new media, not new media, indie theatrical uh, contracts and stuff, like indie films, basically. And I had a SAG contract one time, well, a few times, for a, like an indie film. And I have, I've worked under those contracts before and at new media specifically. So I've done all the paperwork before. I know the process. It wasn't fun to begin with, to have it be this interim contract and be all crazy can be as, can be fun. Um, fearing they won't be able to set cast for film packages to sell at key festival markets Indie film producers are appealing to SAG-AFTRA to fast-track interim casting agreements that are holding things up. A number of projects have fallen away and others are at risk. A handful of producers 
told Deadline for projects that would be shopped at the Toronto Film Festival in September and the American film market in late October. It says here, SAG-AFTRA began offering interim casting agreements late last month, about 60 so far, allowing agents to send scripts to actors. But as the Guild juggles many hundreds, maybe thousands of requests, these producers fear, fear an overly long process in landing them at the end of the line. The result could be a dearth of indie films in 2024 and beyond. If we are all slowed down packaging process, projects, it will also it will have a ripple effect on production this fall and winter and into early next year. If you can't package, you can't complete your financing. Independent film is all about who you who your cast is," said Laura Lewis, founder and CEO of Rebel Media. She says she had several projects topple this year due to the strikes. The logjam, some say, is the the guild wants them to apply for what's called SAG signatory status. Yeah, I've done that. <laughs> I've been that. I I have the SAG contract still uh, from my production. Um, before requesting an interim agreement, clearing that hurdle is the only way that they can cast their films. Signatory paperwork asks for details on cast, crew, budget, financing, mm -hmm, and shooting schedule, among other things. SAG-AFTRA assigns a rep to each project to work through the process, which also requires a film to be registered as a special purpose vehicle like an LLC, another step. Under normal circumstances, signatory requests are not usually filed until four to six weeks before production is set to start. You don't need to be a SAG signatory in a normal situation to send scripts to actors, noted one producer. The key to the indie business is getting actors interested in our projects. That is the lifeblood of our business. Getting an actor to say, I like your script. I'm interested in it. It lets a producer put the financing together. He and several others asked to speak on background given the sensitivity of the issues. They check every dollar you are spending, every investor that is putting money in. They go through the organization with a microscope. It takes weeks and you are sweating bullets like I am right now. Another producer said of the signatory vetting process, early stage projects don't have that information. My lawyer basically said, put TBD for everything, adding yet another who is seeking waivers for two projects. A lot, a lot of us are in no man's land, just waiting. Rob Paris, president of Rivulet Films and former colleague of Lewis at CAA, said he risks losing a director on a film project that may fall by the wayside if he can't assemble a cast. Paris has written to the Guild, knowing, noting that he and dozens of independent producing friends and associates have lost precious time to have actors read and consider our projects slated to shoot this year. My application is in the queue, but I have no idea when we may hear back. If I cannot finalize the cast that is required to greenlight my films, they will not happen this year, and in the case of one film, perhaps ever. A SAG-AFTRA spokesperson said, at this time, productions must submit a signatory application and sign an agreement before they can receive an interim agreement. In some cases, in order to facilitate casting, the full signatory process may not be completed prior to receiving an interim agreement for casting purposes only. The signatory process is completed later before the project is officially cleared for members to work. We are aware of requests from projects that are in earlier stages, and we are evaluating options for those projects. 
The producers say they fully support a rigorous signatory process to ensure all is in order before production starts. We have done it many times and will continue to do so without hesitation, Paris said. But meanwhile, speeding up the process for interim casting agreements is crucial to jumpstart projects. Here's what we suggested as part of a letter to the Guild. Any independent producers seeking reads from SAG members must promise, one, they are not affiliated with AMPTP, two, they will not become affiliated with AMPTP until the strike is resolved to SAG's satisfaction, three, they will become full signatory, which includes signing the interim agreement. With this promise memorialized in a single doc- simple document, the true indies should be approved for casting and negotiating terms. Then once the cast signs on and the funds are committed, we go full speed on the signatory process as we have many, many, many times. Simple and protective. Please help us. Duncan Crabtree, Ireland, the Guild's National Executive Director and Chief Negotiator, has spoken frequently about interim agreements for non-AMPTP productions. They provide jobs for performers and crews at a critical time. They show solidarity and demonstrate the industry can move forward without the association of motion pictures and television producers. But it's been complicated. SAG, after several weeks ago, altered its interim agreement policy going forward to exclude WGA covered projects shot in the U.S., which is another headache for indie producers and will end some projects and push others to Canada or elsewhere. Also, distributors with interim agreements looking to acquire films at upcoming festivals will have to adhere to the agreement terms, which have probably always, which was always, probably always going to be the case, but will complicate deal making. Several industry players, not producers, noted that SAG-AFTRA is under intense scrutiny over which projects are granted interim agreements and when and why. The, the backlash has been ferocious if something doesn't sit right with the broader community. They've got to tread carefully, said one. And since four, three out of four film projects floating around any given year ne- never even make it to the signatory phase, asking for the paperwork may be a bit of a bullshit meter. How serious are you? I suggested another. But that's kind of Paris point. Given SAG's large backlog of requests, it seems many projects, those destined to fade away alongside ones more likely to move ahead, are all in queue at the same time, along with productions that are ready to shoot, have a start date, or need talent for promotion. SAG-AFTRA would still hold all the cards, and the signatory process remain intact, intact with a faster process, he believes. We should be able to have conversations with actors. Then, if they want to go to work, once we build a project, we would bring it to SAG like we always do, Paris said. It's very emotional. It feels like it's a no-win situation, said another producer. What we do is finance our own development of projects outside of the system, package them, and then go down to the studio route and the indie route and take the best offer, but both creative and financial for every project. Obviously, the studio outcome is basically off the table. The indie outcome isn't, but you can't even get to that point where you can get to the indie route because you can't send your scripts to actors. So basically, what I get from this is that they're fucking themselves. They're fucking us over. The indie people, they're fucking them over. And under the guise of, like, you can't, you know, work with these studios or whatever. But we're not going to give you a chance to do it. And we're not going to give you a proper agreement that is reasonable. 
So again, it's just an example of like how the big people in this union are getting, are reaping the benefits or, or are fine. They're just, they can do whatever they want. They can just sit at home for however long while the people who really need to work and want to work are unable to, you know, it's just very, very slanted. Then there was this from yesterday, August 30th, 2023. Studio CEOs set to meet today amid internal tensions. No end in sight to strikes. This is from Deadline again. Exclusive. Amid growing speculation of internal divisions within the C-suites and a lack of any apparent path forward to win the writers and after strikes, the chiefs of Hollywood's biggest studios are set to gather today. Disney's Dana Walden and Alan Bergman, Amazon Studios, Mike Hopkins and Jennifer Salke, Ted Sarandis from Netflix, Universal's Donna Langley, and Warner Brothers Discoveries, David Zaslav, are among those scheduled to attend the virtual sit-down later Wednesday, we hear. Mouse House CEO... (laughs) Bob Iger will not be participating in this meeting, reverting to his earlier stance of having Walden and Bergman be primarily hands-on over the labor actions. Part of that for Iger, we understand, was an overall CEO approach to keep some distance to be ready for the appropriate time to get more directly engaged. So he doesn't think it's worth his time yet. And then it says, the AMPTP said it is waiting for the official response from the WGA to the August 11th offer. The, the Guild says it made a counter on August 15th and that the ball is in the studios and streamers court. All of which news, all of which means newly hired crisis PR firm, the Levinson Group, might find that its principal task right out of the gate is handling the tension between studio CEOs as the writer's strike goes deep into its fourth month. Before some wanted to blame Carol, accused her of being stuck using a pre-streaming playbook, Carol being Carol Lombardini, who is the president of the AMPTP, has gotten a lot of press recently. Um, An individual familiar with the divisions among the studio and streamers bosses. Now that have, now that have only, now they it's 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 wrong. <laughs> the grammar is wrong. The grammar. The there's a typo. Now that they have only themselves, now they have only themselves to blame. I'm fixing it for how bad they things look. That's why they brought in the Levinson Group, and that's why they are squabbling. According to several sources, for instance, it was streaming kingpin Sarandis who lectured WGA leaders at that gathering last week about why they had to take the AMPTP's latest offer. Others say that while Sarandis certainly wasn't pliant, it was Iger who was the loudest voice in the room with the other CEOs and the WGA brass on August 22nd. That approach spectacularly flamed out, and then they made it worse by putting their offer out in public the same night. One industry vet states of the outcome of the studio boss's browbeating meeting with guild leaders and the attempt to go around the WGA negotiating committee directly to members. And then some more shit about these horrible people. And then it says, additionally, the fear for some major studio leaders is that if even if there is a deal in the coming weeks and production 
resumes on movies in the new year, a dry spell in the theatrical release calendar will exist much in the way it did last year between August and October due to the post-production logjam created by COVID. Some movies on the near horizon for Q4 and Q1 are in need of ADR, and if the strikes continue, could get pushed. For Hollywood's top leaders, the longer the strikes go on, the less product in both film and TV is apt to be made in the next calendar year. Less product means fewer jobs. These guys are worried about what comes next after the strike, another well-placed source states. Remember, they're competitors. They're always thinking about how to best each other. The strikes don't change that. Dear me. All right, then we have this wonderful news. So on the AI front, you might be wondering what's going on with AI and everything regarding this whole problem. So this is from Variety.com, August 24th, 2023, written by Michael Kasdan. AI-generated works can't be copyrighted. Now what? And it reads, Last Friday, a U.S. court ruled that a piece of art created by AI isn't open to copyright protection. Upholding earlier guidance issued by the U.S. Copyright Office in March. But just how much human creative input is required remains an open question. It's also the one that matters for any content company, including studios, and the larger creative community now considering using generative AI to create new material and IP. The explosive rise of generative AI has brought with it a host of important legal questions on copyright grounds. A number of lawsuits have been filed by artists and creators, including one by Sarah Silverman, alleging that generative AI apps such as OpenAI's ChatGPT and DALI infringed their copyright works. Copyright of works. Another battleground has been at the U.S. Copyright Office, where the department has refused to issue copyright registrations to works that were solely generated by prompting generative AI apps because the traditional elements of authorship are determined and executed by the technology, not the human user. Underlying this policy is the requirement that copyright can protect only the material that is the product of human creativity. This requirement is rooted in the understanding that the term author, as used in both the Constitution and the U.S. Copyright Act, excludes non-humans. But until now, this precise issue has never been tested by the courts. The implications of whether and when AI-produced content can be copyrighted are significant. Generative AI tools are being more widely used to create content, including perhaps the next great piece of music, literature, or cartoon character. I highly doubt it, but whatever. And if that content is not protectable by copyright, it becomes free for anyone to use, unable to be monetized or licensed. This is why many have been closely watching the 2022 case filed by Dr. Stephen Taylor, in which he challenged the U.S. copyrights copyright office's refusal to register a piece of visual art entitled A Recent Entrance to Paradise. The art was generated by Taylor's own AI system called Creativity Machine, or DABUS, described as an artificial intelligence capable of generating original pieces of visual art akin to the output of a human artist. His original copyright application in 2018 had identified the author as Creativity Machine, 
with him claiming the work was autonomously created by a computer algorithm running on a machine. Recently, he and the Copyright Office each made motions arguing the court should award it a victory as a matter of law. The single legal question presented to the court was whether a work generated autonomously by a computer falls under the protection of copyright law upon its creation. The Copyright Office argued that it does not. He disagrees. On August 18, 2023, Judge Beryl A. Howell of the District Court for the District of Columbia sided with the Copyright Office. In an, addition, in an opinion granting its motion for summary judgment, he found that human authorship is an essential part of a valid copyright claim. The, the court found that the concept of authorship and the word author, as used in the Copyright Clause of the U.S. Constitution and the Copyright Act, means human creation and explained that this re reading is consistent with the history and purpose of copyright law itself to encourage human individuals to engage in that creation and thereby promote science and the useful arts. While recognizing that copyright law is designed to adapt with the times, the court noted that human creativity is the sine qua non at the core of copyrightability, even as that human creativity is channeled through new tools or into new media, and that copyright has never stretched so far as to protect works generated by new forms of technology operating with absent any guiding human hand. AI is not the first technology to pose this type of challenge. Over the course of history, copyright law has proven malleable enough to cover works created with or involving technologies. For example, when the camera was first invented, there was a serious question and serious litigation over whether a photographer using that tool to create an image was entitled to a copyright on the resulting image. So it's like history's repeating, but it's the opposite. That's so funny. Back then, the Supreme Court held the answer to that question was yes, because there was sufficient human creative input that goes into creating the image. While noting that a camera may generate only a mechanical reproduction of a scene, the court relied on creative decisions by the photographer, such as arranging the su subject and composition, arranging the lighting and shading, and crafting the overall image, and finding the resulting image copyrightable. In some ways, despite involving a new and complex technology in general generative AI, the Taylor case, or Thaler, I'm not really sure how it's pronounced, was easier because Thaler asserted there was no human involvement whatsoever and therefore bore no creative contribution from a human. Though Thaler later attempted to change course, asserting in the litigation that he provided instructions and directed his AI to create the work. The court struck him with the assertions made when he was first seeking to register the work that it was autonomously created with no human input. Once the court agreed the Copyright Act requires human involvement, that was the end of end for Thaler. However, the court also acknowledged that tougher cases are coming down the pike. Undoubtedly, we are approaching new frontiers in copyright as artists put AI in their toolbox to be used in the generation of new visual and other artistic works. The increased attenuation of human creativity from the actual generative generation of the final work will prompt 
challenging questions regarding how much human input is necessary to qualify the user of an AI system as an author of a generative work and more. The Copyright Office's current guidance on AI likely, likewise re recognizes that works containing AI-generated genera material can, in certain cases, contain sufficient human authorship to support a copyright claim. For example, a human may select or arrange AI-generated material in a sufficient, sufficiently creative way that the resulting work as a whole constitutes an original work of authorship. Or an artist may modify material or originally generated by AI technology to such a degree that the modifications meet the standard for copyright protection. The harder cases yet to come are ones in which there is some creative contribution by the human in the way the human collaborates with the generative AI. But until we have rulings by the Copyright Office on such copyright applications and further guidance from the courts, the question of just how much creative contribution is required remains largely open. Let's end here. It will be important for businesses and content creators to understand the newly forming rules around copyrightability so they can maximize their ability to gain IP protection for content created using AI tools. While Thaler is a first guidepost, we can expect that most that both the Copyright Office and the courts will be developing additional guidance on when AI can be used as a tool to create copyrightable output and on specifically how much human input is required. And then there's a little more news. I'm just going to end here, I think, because shit. Yeah. Wait, I wanted to read this too. I don't know if this is important, though. Okay, this is a kind of important to me, but I'll read it. All right, I'm reading this. August 30th, 2023. Lynette Rice wrote this. <laughs> I know who that is. From Deadline. Central Casting responds to online chatter about its likeness agreement, says requirement is old, but old for internal marketing use only. Isn't that what they always say when something controversial comes out? Not them, like them as the overall them. Exclusive Central Casting is responding to online chatter that about its 20-year-old photo release form, which has suddenly drawn the ire of SAG-AFTRA members who worry that Background actors are signing away control of their digital likeness. At a time when both SAG-AFTRA and WGA have legitimate concerns about the increased use of AI and generative technology in Hollywood, actors have been bristling about the wording in the agreement, which central casting requires from everyone who relies on their service to find jobs. Central casting specializes in casting extras, body doubles, and stand-ins. And by the way, I've signed this, so it's legitimate. <laughs> Um, this is relevant to me. Actors have shared screenshots of the agreement on X, ugh, Twitter, just, I'm so sick of X, along with warnings not to sign it. Here's what the agreement says. I authorize central casting to photograph, videotape, or use any other electronic method of recording in my image appearance, likeness, voice, or actions, collectively recordings, to be used at central casting's discretion in any medium, including, without limitation, company-related publications and websites, 
I grant Central Casting the unrestricted right to make copyright use, reuse, or publish recordings in which I may be included in whole or in part and waive any right to inspect or approve the finished medium incorporating any recordings. I release and agree to hold harmless central casting from any liability for any legitimate use and waive any personal or proprietary right I may have in connection with such use. I understand that all such recordings in whatever medium will remain the property of central casting. I waive any right to compensation of any nature in connection with the recordings. Okay, this is very similar to a contract I signed on American Idol, which was very thorough and creepy. And I wish I still had that fucking contract or like the scanned version or whatever. I wish I still had it so I could like show people because it was pretty wild. But you'll never see it. Sorry. When reached by deadline, central casting implied via a company statement that there was nothing new about the agreement, nor is the firm looking to abandon its primary mission to find entry-level work for up-and-coming actors. If that's what the job is, then why did I have to pay to get work in the first place? You had to pay a registration fee in the very beginning. They never refunded me that. They told me, oh, thanks for coming in. We're talking about central casting right now, which I've had dealings with. When I was an extra, when I was starting out in L.A., I had to pay a registration fee. Eventually, many years down the line, it was found that that was inappropriate, that we had to pay to be available to work and to have this agency work on our behalf. And then on top of that, we had to pay calling services, which was a total scam, for people to be able to get through the lines at Central Casting who were doing our bidding. So we had a separate agency calling the agency that we're dealing with and other agencies, not just them, but calling on our behalf trying to get us work that we had to pay for. We had to pay 30-something dollars for the, the original Central Casting. We had to pay 50 up to like $100 a month if it was like boutique or whatever, but like on the lower end, $50 a month for a calling service. I never got a refund for any of that shit. Never. Not once. I'm just saying. Scams. All of them. Anyway, Central Casting says, for nearly 100 years, Central Casting has been the leader in casting background actors for work on film and television productions. The company's photo release form, which has been in use for over 20 years, permits the use of registered background actor images for review by Central Casting's clients for casting purposes. It also allows the images to be used on Central Casting's website and in its marketing materials. The photo release form does not apply to production companies or their businesses. Reactions to the agreement have run the gamut online, it says, including, are you seriously asking your employees to grant you unrestricted use of their likenesses for no additional compensation? Yes, they are doing that. Everyone does that. <laughs> Every contract I've ever signed to be on TV has done that. It's like, you, you sign away your likeness. That's kind of the way it goes. If you don't have a lawyer, and you never do, because you're an actor and shit, then you don't, you know, you would know to not sign that if you had a lawyer. 
but they know that you don't have a lawyer and they give it to you and they give you no time. Like on American Idol, they give you like 30 minutes to look it over and you have to decide while you've been like put through to the next level and you're so excited and everything, like you got through, oh my gosh, you're going to be on TV, allegedly, maybe so. <laughs> and now you got to sign a contract so you can be on TV. And they give you that and they give you no time to do it. And then they have you do a background so you can have a sob story and stuff like that. That was fun. Anyway, I've signed all of them. <laughs> I'm fucked forever. <laughs> so you're fucked if you're an actor. Let's just be honest. Like a SAG actor or a central casting actor, any kind of actor, really. Um, so, yeah, it says all of that stuff. And then it says some more stuff in the article. But basically, yeah, like, that's that's kind of how it goes. So let's go back. Let's see what else. Okay. So I read that. Okay. I wanted to read this thing about The Walking Dead because it was in the news today. This is by Peter White and Lynette Rice from Deadline. I'm just reading Deadline and Variety all this episode. I apologize if it's not really interesting. Um, August 31st, 2023, The Walking Dead spinoffs an interview with a vampire, which I didn't even know was in production, okay, to resume production as AMC Networks strikes significant agreements with SAG-AFTRA. So it says here, the deal revealed Thursday marks the most significant television properties to strike such an agreement since the actors walked out. Other series on the interim agreement list include Faith series The Chosen, Apple TV's Tehran, which was handed an agreement due to its international nature, and Hal and Harper, an indie series from Cha-Cha Real Smooth filmmaker and star Cooper Rafe, starring Lily Reinhardt and Mark Ruffalo. Deadline understands that the interview with the vampire will resume filming its second season in Prague, while The, the Walking Dead, Daryl Dixon, oh, he has his own show now, will film its second season in Europe. The Walking Dead, The Ones Who Live, damn, there's a lot of Walking Dead shows, which stars Andrew Lincoln, I guess he's still alive, good to know, and Denai Guerrilla reprises their role, reprising their roles as Mick and Michonne, Rick and Michonne, my bad, has work left to do in post-production, including ADR. AMC Network CEO Kristen Dolan said earlier this month that the writers and actor strikes wouldn't begin to threaten the company's programming supply until well into 2024, which is just another example of like how they're fucking over the studios, but they're not really. They're actually fucking over the actors and the writers. So those are the people who are feeling the most fucked up about everything and the economic distress and everything. We're feeling it. The, the studios ain't feeling it. Or they would would have gone to the table and be like, okay, here you go. Here's what you want. They're not going to do that because they're not bleeding dry. And people are not saying, oh my gosh, this horrible SAG after strike, this horrible WGA strike, I can't watch these streaming fucking shows anymore. I'm going to stop giving however much money. I don't even know how much they take anymore. $10 or whatever, $15 to HBO and Amazon and all this stuff. I'm going to stop giving them my money. I'm I'm joining the actors. I'm joining the writers. Nobody's doing that, though. We're not having, like, a groundswell of support. We're having Brian Cranston, Aaron Paul, you know, fucking Jane Fonda was out. 
rich people going out there being like, we're with you. No, you're fucking not. You're not in the same category as me. I'm not allowed to talk to you. If I saw you on stage and said, oh, yeah, I love you in this whatever film or whatever. And I was like, oh, could we have lunch later? You know, solidarity. You'd be like, fuck you. I'm not having lunch with you, peon. Sheesh. They're not going to have lunch with us. They're not going to. They're not going to. They're walk. They'll walk with us, you know, if it pleases them and their image. So they look good. So they're at the front lines. They'll be like next to some random actors that nobody knows about who are most of the fucking union. (laughs) And the cameras will go straight to them. We won't be on camera talking about it. I haven't even gone to a protest yet, protest, to a strike yet since SAG struck. I went to the WGA and I covered that. I have not covered a SAG strike yet because it's, it's the, the disparity. It's just so annoying. And yeah, maybe I will, but I have a job too. <laughs> I have a day job and they do this shit during the day. They do it for three hours per day. It seems like sometimes they'll go five. Oh my gosh. Yes. Thank you. Because they took my advice because I called them out on Twitter X or whatever and said, hey, maybe do more than three hours of this a day and we would see some results. And then they were like, oh, yeah, maybe we should do that. Because <laughs> it's like bare minimum. It's fucking performative. It's not legitimate. That's how I feel about it. That's my opinion. Opinions are like assholes. Everyone's got them. And... They think theirs is the best. Theirs doesn't smell. But it does. Everyone's opinion smells a little bit. Speaking of opinions, I have an opinion that I'm sick and tired of Ukraine getting $250 million packages while we're all fucking fucked. (laughs) And Maui is burning. And hurricanes are churning. It's just a lot. And then there's the COVID stuff that I talked about before, the mandates coming back and everything. I'm going to do, I'm telling you, this is a preview. I'm going to do a YouTube stream if it gets really intense in the next couple of weeks. I'm doing a YouTube live stream and I'm going over it and that'll be more fun and you'll hear more stuff. I want to give you something to hear though. So let's look at the press briefing because, you know, Life isn't depressing enough. We need a, de- a depressing briefing first before we head out. Let's see here. So this one is from today. I remember Kareen saying something about the mandates today. Not the mandates, goddamn. But saying stuff about the vaccines today. They're trying to sell the gene therapy drugs again for Pfizer. They didn't get enough money. So now they have a new variant, which is really nice. That'll help. I'm going to try and find it because I don't remember the clip (laughs) where it is. I watched this whole damn thing. But they bring it up near the end, the press. Also, shout out to CNBC Television, which is where I watch this, who doesn't let people reply. Who pretends to let people reply, but then monitors that in the comments not reply the comments monitors the comments because it says 16 or whatever but it's not 16 
It's barely 10. So they're doing something there. I don't know exactly what it is. And now it's not... Could you just do your job? You have one job, YouTube. Shut the fuck up. Okay. And it always goes to ambient mode. And I hate ambient mode. I know I'm alone in that. I don't give a shit. Um, this is from today, by the way. I said that before. Here we go. Let me find it. I'm going to skip to it. I don't give a shit. Governor, I think that shows how important. Blah, blah, blah. Let's do this in a bipartisan. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, now we're in another shutdown because, you know, we're running out of money again because they spent it all. And then they were like, Fiscal Responsibility Act. And they, like, put that through. And then that kicked the can down until October. And now we're on, we're in trouble again. The world leaders on the West Coast. Fuck off. The legal pathway uh, for migrants to enter this country. The legal pathways to my to migrants coming. Yeah. From the parole. From the parolee program. That's. Okay. That's great. When the parole. I don't care. He's an old friend, uh, and. Who's an old friend? Uh, we've been very consistent uh, about that, including of course, of course, with our uh, partners in Saudi Arabia. Uh, uh, and updated COVID shots. Okay, here it is. Found it. All right. Particular new uh, new report. Let's uh, do this part. You did, you got to ask the president a question today. Go ahead, Alex. Go ahead, Alex. How concerned um, is the White House about a new COVID wave uh, in the fall? And how are you thinking about masking, uh, boosters, and just broadly about the state of the pandemic right now? So a couple of things. Um, so, um, and I spoke to this on Monday, happy to, to talk about this uh, now. So nationally, the, while CDC is reporting an increase in infections, as you all know, and hospitals admissions overall levels remain low, which is important. Uh, the U.S. has uh, experienced increases in COVID-19 during the last three summers. So it's not surprising that we're seeing this uptick. Uh, so, uh, I'd say, you know, it's been a long, uh, a long period of declining, uh, declining rates. And so when updated COVID shots become available in mid, in mid September, we've heard from uh, the FDA and CDC, uh, they announced this last week that there will be new, new, uh, new vaccines, uh, next, uh, this, we in September, next month, mid, mid, uh, mid September, we'll be encouraging all Americans to get updated COVID, COVID vaccines. And also let's not forget the RSV. Let's not forget, uh, the influenza shots as well. All of yes. Cause it's a triple demic. That's their thing now is like, you gonna get everything all at once or you won't be protected or you won't be able to keep out of the hospital. Listen to this bullshit are very critical and important. So we'll be encouraging Americans to do that. And vaccinations, as we all know, as you've heard us say from here, uh, uh, against COVID-19 remains the safest uh, protection for avoiding hospitalization, long-term health outcomes, and death. And so- Bullshit, because most of the time, if you're a healthy person to begin with, or you don't have pre-existing, very crazy issues and heart issues and all that shit, then you'll be- pretty much fine because this this is less than one percent of the population that dies from covid most of it is from other shit that's not covid related but then they make it covid related and we've gone over that ad nauseum i'm not going to do it again but i'm just saying they cook the number they cook the books or whatever and then they say oh my gosh this is all covid related it's not true um and the COVID vaccines do not work. 
they do not stop transmission, which is the main the thing that they said in the very beginning that they did. And they lied. They lie every time. So let's finish this up because this is the last part of it. They, they saved the best for last, I guess. And so this is why we're going to encourage uh, Americans to make sure they keep up to date, uh, up to date with their... Like your fucking computer, your software, you got to keep your software up to date. Uh, with their vaccines. Look, because of this work that this, this president has done from the beginning of his administration, making sure there was a comprehensive approach with dealing with this pandemic, with dealing COVID-19, we have tools at our, uh, uh, at our disposal now, whether it's vaccines, whether... She doesn't even believe what she's saying. Just, she doesn't believe it. She's looking, she's shifty-eyed, and she's just like stumbling on the words. She doesn't believe it. But you got to sell the product. I get it. Whether it's home tests, whether it's masks, uh, we do have an effective treatments, obviously. Uh, we do have these tools at our disposal, and I think that... Ineffective treatments. Mm -hmm. That's incredibly important. And so you'll hear more from uh, FDA and CDC. Uh, any more information about those vaccines, certainly I would refer you to, to CDC as it relates to, to, to masking. Not, no protocol has changed, has, uh, uh, changed here. Uh, that is up to the individual. If an individual wants to wear a mask, they can do that. That is up to them. That's why we made sure we provided these different tools. Uh, you should have done that in the fucking first place. But then you got too trigger happy with that. And then courts struck that shit down. Again, there will be more to share in mid-September. All right, guys. Thank you so much. See you next week. Have a great weekend. Fuck you so much. My gosh. Anyway, let's end on a high note. <laughs> Everything's going to be fine. <laughs> Everything's. <laughs> I've been singing that song a lot. Um, we're going to go back to the song for the ending. But I thank you so much for watching. Watching? <laughs> we are not watching anything. For listening and hopefully taking into consideration some of the points that I made. Yeah, I didn't really look at the... I'm never going to support... The studios. This wasn't about me, you know, saying shit about SAG after the whole time. Like, I I support my union more than they support us, basically. And I don't support getting railroaded into weird contracts. I don't support bad negotiating practices. I don't support exploiting workers. I don't support big multi-billion dollar studios at all pretty much monetarily at all. Um, and I would just wish that they had not supported them in the first place or we wouldn't have gotten this far and had this issue. Because this wasn't out of nowhere that this happened. They let this happen for however long it did. And they waited until after the COVID stuff and they got back into it and fucked us all over. So that's how I feel about it. Others feel differently. Um, it is what it is. But again, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for downloading. Please share. Like if you want. Comment if you want. If you disagree with me, comment. I, I will engage. I don't get heated over anything because it's not about us versus each other. It's about us versus the actual system. And that's what I'm actually about going against. And that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about us versus them. It, I have no gripes personally with millionaire actors or whatever. 
like that. I just wish that they would stop being so performative in their actions. That's all. And, you know, a little, you know, just support, but don't take all of the attention away from other people. That's all. So shout out to all my background actors waiting to work again. I'm with you. I'm solidarity. Um, and tune in for this this uh, next episode of the Super Awkward Review of the X-Files. And it'll be season five, part two. Two weeks, I said. About two weeks. And then we'll do the movie. And then you'll have season six. And I'm finishing it up right now. Not right now, because I'm doing this. But I will be finishing it up, and then I'm starting season seven today, and I'm very excited about that because I, I remember really liking season seven. So it's kind of a rewatch for me, but I'm enjoying it, even though it's definitely work <laughs> and more work than I've done in a minute. But I'm putting out content, and you can see it, and you can enjoy it or not. It's up to you. And, yeah, like leaving with you um, some good stuff. Um, look at the good touch grass for real, but not real. Cause I said that last time, but I didn't mean it like legitimately like going out and putting your hand in grass. I don't think that's a good idea. Put your foot on the ground, keep your feet on the ground. Don't let anyone get you down and don't buy the bullshit. It'll sell itself. <laughs> you don't need to buy it. Eventually this all ends <laughs> i guess that's the the bright side and then we turn into computers and we're all ai yay welcome to the future <laughs> bye